Hey guys, welcome to my podcast. I pray you are empowered to walk in the fullness of your God design. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. And remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you. It is exciting to be here, and I was, I'm excited about the message when uh, Pastor Denora talked to me about doing Illuminate. I uh, Usually I try and talk to whoever the host is, try to grab a little bit of their heart and what they're wanting. Um, and so I was excited because uh, many of you know my mantra is maximizing you, maximizing what you do, and maximizing cultures around you, and really coming alongside people and teaching us how do we become such a changed person that we go forth and we cause change in the lives of those around us. And so I'm very excited about the message this weekend. But tonight, I want to really kind of go back to some basics. And I was telling Pastor Denora, I was like, I was kind of not super excited about the message tonight because I was like, God, can we do something bigger, grander? And the Lord was like, no. Sometimes we just really need to go back to the basics. And the basics are grand, are they not? I mean, the very core of our salvation is the grandest thing that has ever happened to us. And so I've, I've shifted, and I'm like, as I was reading through this message, I was like, oh no, this is a great message. And it's a message that I've needed to hear. And I believe it's a message that we all need to not just hear tonight, but we need to continuously hear. So what does it mean to illuminate? To illuminate means you're going to make something visible. You're going to make it bright. You're going to light it up. You're going to make something clear, something that becomes easy to understand. Something that was once in the dark now becomes illuminated and it becomes visible to those around you. In short, it means I'm going to reveal something. It means there's something that was there that was there all along, but we just didn't know it until we turned on the light. There was something there that was there all along, we just didn't know it until we turned on the light. I love that in Scripture we see that God has a history of illuminating things. It's always important that we go back to really recognizing the character of God, the nature of God. Why? Because we're created in the likeness of God. And the more we learn about who God is, the more we learn about our possibility, our potential, who we're called to be, who we're designed to be. I love in Isaiah 60, 65, 1, it says this, I permitted myself, God is speaking of himself, he's saying, I permitted myself to be sought by those who didn't ask for me. I permitted myself to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I permitted myself to be found by those who did not seek me. I said continuously unto all creation, here I am, here I am. And we learn from this that we serve a God who is continuously illuminating himself, wanting to reveal himself even to people who are not seeking him. Making himself continuously available, saying, I'm a God that from the very beginning have been all about light. The very first thing we find in scripture is darkness, emptiness, a void, something that's without shape, something that's without form. Come on, I'm speaking to some places in our lives tonight. And God said, look, I've got some revealing to do in spaces and places. I'm about to create a man and a woman. I'm about to put them in a place. But first, I've got to create some light so they can see, so that things can become visible. And he speaks into the darkness. He speaks into the void, and he says, let there be light. light. 
That we, we teach this to our kids. One of the first verses we teach in Cubbies, I don't know if your kids ever went through Cubbies, but you teach that verse, right? But I don't think we get the magnitude of the importance of the order here that the very first thing that came into existence was illumination. Because God said, I have something that I want to reveal to my people. I have a desire to illuminate things that have been dark, things that have been empty, things that have been unseen. So from the very beginning, God has been bringing his presence into the light. He has a history of illuminating, making himself known, revealing himself unto all mankind. It is not his desire to be kept in the dark. Even to those who are not seeking him, he's saying, wait, 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 here I am. Seek me. If you ask, I'll turn a light on and I'll reveal things to you that you have not known. I'll show you something that's been in your life your entire time, this entire time, but you haven't seen it because you haven't come into the light. If you and I were to read the story of creation in the Hebrew translation, what we would discover is the very first Adam... The very first Adam, we call it Adam, but it actually was an esh in the Hebrew, which means fire of God. I'm not making this up. When he separated male and female, it was ish and isha, that's when he used the male and female. But the very first creation, the very first Adam, the root word there is actually the word esh, which means fire of God. Meaning that our original design has actually been imputed with a burning quality, an illuminating quality, because you and I are designed to burn and to illuminate something that's outside of us. It's part of our, our original creation, our design to burn passionately for God. It is the illumination of his presence that becomes a tipping point that we so often desperately need. I was able to speak a message a couple of months ago on the Malach Yahweh, talking about the angel of the Lord, the few places in the Old Testament where it doesn't just say a messenger or the Spirit of God, but it said an angel of the Lord. It's meant to be a theophany, meaning the pre-incarnate Christ that actually visited that person in a moment and it began to reveal things to them. When the Malach Yahweh showed up, two things were being revealed. One, I want to remind you of who you are, and two, I want to remind you of what you're called to. There was a revealing in that moment, whether it was in Noah, with Noah, whether it was with Abraham, whether it was with Jacob, whether it was Joseph, later with Moses, when God shows up, he's illuminating something. God has a history of illuminating. God is a God who wants to be revealed. And then we know the scripture goes on to tell us that there were 400 years of silence, 400 years of quietness from the kingdom. 400 years where there was no illumination, no revealing of the presence of God. But then 400 years later, God opens up the curtains, and once again, he inserts himself into humanity, and he reveals himself through the life of Jesus. Again, his desire to reveal himself. John 1, 4, and 5 says, In him was life. And that life was the light to all mankind. The light shines into the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Some verses say the darkness could not comprehend it. If you read that in the Greek, it means one of two things. It means it could neither understand it, but nor could it quench it. Meaning, darkness cannot understand the light. See, a lot of us are, are trying to illuminate things out of time. Come on. 
and we don't understand why people don't get it. But the Bible says that darkness will not understand, it will not comprehend, it cannot grasp the fullness of the light. You and I cannot grasp the fullness of the light except by the Holy Spirit. But the good news is, is you can flip the coin and read this in the Greek a totally different way and say, but it also cannot quench it. Meaning, we, we sing that song, right, that says, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. Right? And then it says, won't let Satan it out. Okay. Y'all, can Satan out what God illuminates? No. Come on, we got we to gotta recognize sometimes we're teaching our kids some bad theology in these cute little songs. But if God lights it, the enemy can't put it out. Can we put it under a bushel? Yes. Can we hide it under a table? Yes. But whether you know it or not, there's an esh that is inside of you. There is a fire that is inside of you, and what we need to do is we need to learn how to stir, how to fan the flame of God that is within us. And so Jesus himself was the light he came to reveal, to illuminate a very dark world, to make known, to reveal to you the things of the kingdom, to reveal to you and I the things of the kingdom. He is the tipping point. I love in all the scriptures where it talks about how they spoke in parables. But when he was alone with the disciples, the Bible says, and he explained these things, he said, it is unto you that the mysteries of heaven would be what? Revealed. See, they don't understand because they haven't come into the light. But for you, there's an illumination through the Holy Spirit that has been given to you that all the mysteries of the kingdom would be revealed. We know that Saul becomes Paul with a flash of a light. In a moment, his eyes are supernaturally opened, and he sees truth. He's flooded with a revelation that doesn't come from this world. Come on, we need a revelation that doesn't come from this world. I said in this Malak Yahweh, I said, look, I could sit here and preach to you until I'm blue in the face, and I could preach to you until I'm blue in the face. But the reality is I can't reveal truth to you. It is only by a supernatural revelation, the Holy Ghost experience, the illumination that comes from the, the heavenlies that you will come to understand who you are, what you're called for, what your assignment is, how you're called to influence the world, why you're even here, what it means to be a revealer of the kingdom. So Jesus restored us. He redeemed us. He brought us back into the esh of God. He brought us back into that consuming fire. His blood reignited the fire of God within you and I. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 4, 6, For God who said, Let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts. It has shown in your heart to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So how do we begin being the illumination to the kingdom? Come on, that's why we're really here this weekend. We, like Everything I've said to you, you're like, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, this is all elementary. Yes, it's elementary. But the question is, how do we become the illumination? How do we step into the fire possibilities, the possibilities of the esh that's within you and I? Have we tapped into the fullness of it? Is there more that we could be doing? Is there more illumination that we could be bringing into the world? Is there more influence that we could be having on our own children? Is there more influence we could be having on our neighbors? Is there more influence we could be having in the city? Is there more influence? Come on, when the Bible says go and make disciples of the nations, he's saying disciple nations. And what we've narrowed
narrowed that down to, well, I disciple one person. Oh, that's great. But the kingdom people should be discipling nations. We should be influencing nations. Come on, that's our God possibility. That's the kingdom possibility. It is, is it possible that I can be in the light, that I can have revelation knowledge of God, but not become the light? Come on, let's just ask ourselves some hard questions. A lot of us have come into the light. I have the revelation of the Lord. I'm getting a revelation in my closet, but I'm not taking the light anywhere. Come on, I'm getting fat and happy on the revelations of the kingdom, and I'm doing nothing with them. You know what the Bible says about that? It says you have faith, but you have no work. You have faith, but you have no work. That's what it means to have light. I'm illuminated. I'm revealed. I have this revelation, but I'm doing nothing with the light. Ooh, my ring got caught in there. Is it possible that I can be selfish with my faith, fat and happy on the gospel, worshiping in my closet, but never worshiping on the streets? Come on, this brings us to this weekend's theme, which isn't just about being in the light. Come on, we're beyond that, are we not? But rather, it's about being the light. It's not about being in the light, it's about being the light. The Bible says in Matthew 4, 4, 5, 14 through 16. Let me tell you why you're here. I'm going to read this to you. I think this is in the message. It might be in the Passion. I don't know. It's in the message. I do know. It says, let me tell you why you are here. You are here to be salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people get a taste of who God is? I didn't write it, Jen, but it is good. <laughs> All the good stuff is usually scripture, right? If you lose your saltiness, how will the people get a taste of God? You've lost your usefulness, and you will end up in the garbage. Now, I know this is a harsh passage, but the number one question that everybody's asking themselves is, what's my purpose? Where, where's my significance? We would be lying if, there was, if we said there was one person in this room that didn't have a desire or a drive within them to have an impact in life. We all want to leave a legacy. If you say, no, I don't, you're lying to yourself. You have come into that lie to cope with the disappointment of not doing it. This is what I'm going to say. Because if, if you and I are designed with an esh, come on, the fire of God within us, it is in our design to be an illumination to a very dark world. That means I want to have significance. That means I want to be useful. That means I want to have purpose. That means I want to influence. That means I want to have impact. And I'm going to stop trying to avoid that. I'm going to stop saying, yes, absolutely, I want people to recognize, to see something unique in my life. Is that arrogant for me to say that, or is that to recognize that there's an esh inside of me that I carry about in this vessel? There's an essence, and that God says I'm to be salt to a very flavorless world. That God says I'm to illuminate a very dark world. That's not arrogant for me to say that. That's to say I'm coming into my esh. I feel the burn within me, and I'm like a fire that's shut up in my bones, and I'm about to explode with the goodness of God. It goes on, and it says this. Here's another way to put it, in case you didn't get it the first time. Here's another way to put it. You are here to be light, bringing out all of the God colors into a very dark world. God is not a secret to be kept. I'm going to say that again, because I think 
it's easy for us in our safe little bubble where we all believe the same thing to say, of course not. I can share all the goodness of God. I can share what God did. I can even share the weird things. But when we're out in the world and it's dark and it's not cool and people just look at you and they have no response and they're like, amen, sister, give me a high five. When you share the things of God, let's be honest, there's moments where we keep things secret. Let's be honest. I'll be honest about it. It's easy when I'm standing up here and I'm preaching to the choir, talking to Noah about the flood. That's easy. But that's not what we're here for. It goes on and says, we're going to go public with this as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm putting you on a light stand. Now that I've put you here on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine. Everybody say shine. Keep open house. Be generous with your lives Be open, by opening up to others, and you'll prompt people also to open up to God, this generous Father in heaven. It goes on and it says it like this in the voice, And you, beloved, are the light of the world. A city built on a hilltop cannot be hidden. We've got to work really hard to damp what God has illuminated. Sometimes it's harder and it takes, can we be honest, it takes more energy to be depressed than it is to just be filled with joy. It, takes, it sucks a lot of energy out of my life. It takes a lot of energy to complain. It takes a lot of energy to be critical. It takes a lot of energy to talk about my friends. I, it, is, it, is, it sucks up my time and my energy. It's just a whole lot easier to just be who I'm designed to be. It is a whole lot, it's difficult to hold on to anger. It's difficult to hold on to bitterness. And some of you out there might be, no, 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 no. Well, if you've gotten used to it and it's become who you are, you no longer recognize the lie and the deception of the energy that the enemy is stealing from your life. Ain't nobody care if you're bitter. You keep talking about it, but the only person's life who's withering away is yours. Everybody else around you is just avoiding you. I, I mean, I'm going to say what nobody else will say. Yeah. Nobody wants to hang around with that person, right? You don't even want to be in your own skin. There are times, come on, I said, I said this today, I'm teaching a class, we're doing through a discipleship, discipleship journey, and I said I was sharing some, something about this week that wasn't my finest moment, that I, I said something back to somebody, and I was like, oh, that came out of my mouth. And, and I said, uh, it's like that Psalm 73 moment where you're like, uh, when, I had my mind, when my heart and my mind were set all, all these things, I was a brute beast before you. <laughs> right? We know those moments. Like, when you read that, you, you, am I the only one that's like, oh, God. <laughs> I know those moments, right? And that takes a lot of energy. Think about when you're angry with your husband. Think about when you're angry with your children. Think about when you're frustrated, when you're disappointed, you're discouraged. It's exhausting. It takes the life out of us. So he's saying, I have put you on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. Similarly, it would be silly to sit up on a table or on a desk or on a chair. And the light illuminates the entire house. But you are that illuminating light. Come on, everybody put your hand on your heart and say, I am the illuminating light. I am filled with the ash and the fire of God. All right, good. So it goes on, it says, let your light shine everywhere you go, that you may illuminate creation. 
So men and women everywhere will see all of your good deeds, all of your good actions, that they may see the creation at its fullest. Where do we see creation at its fullest? In you, in me, in us, in the kingdom. Come on, are we seeing the creation at its fullest in the way that we behave, in the manner that we talk, in the things that we do, in the things that we engage in? Ephesians 5, 8 says this, For at one time you were in darkness, but now you are in the light. Come on, that's a present tense. It says, Now you must walk as children of the light. Is it possible for me to be in the light, but not be walking as the light? Absolutely. So that's going to bring us to tonight's message, which is how do we cultivate this light? Come on, let's, let's take it back to some basics. How do we cultivate this light See, Jesus brings us into the light, but the Holy Spirit is what causes you to become the light. See, we have the old, I try and tell people, it it, it is said that one of the greatest sadnesses, one of the greatest grievances in the Old Testament was that people missed God. And one of the greatest grievances, one of the biggest sadnesses in the New Testament is that people miss Jesus. And they say nowadays, one of the biggest sadnesses, one of the biggest grievances is that people miss the Holy Spirit. Because the Holy Spirit is the illumination of God living and breathing and dwelling within you and I. He says, you have been filled, you have become the glory of the Lord, that the ash of the Lord has been reignited through the blood of Jesus, that you are filled with the ash of God. But I need you to recognize that there is a difference between what is in you and what is on you. There's a difference between what is in you and what is on you. See, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit in you, but until you allow the Holy Spirit come upon you, you will not become what you already are. I know that sounds like a tongue twister. You have been positioned in the light. You have positioned in the illumination. But it is by the Holy Spirit that you become a carrier. You become the increase of the glory of the Lord. That's what he's talking about when he says, but we all with unveiled faces, beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord. Beholding as a mirror the glory of the Lord. Meaning I mirror the glory and the goodness and the greatness of God. And we are being transformed into the same image from glory unto glory. I'm here to tell you it's not even just about I have the light, I'm being the light, but there should be an increase. There should be an illumination that is increasing in your life from day to day. I like to tell people if I believe that the word of God is true, what it is saying in that passage is today I'm going to declare that tonight when I go to bed, I'm going to look more like Jesus. And tomorrow when I wake up, I'm going to look more like Jesus. And tomorrow night when I go to bed, I'm going to look a little more like Jesus. Because this scripture passage is saying I'm being transformed from glory unto glory, meaning there is an automatic increase that is coming into my life and there should be an automatic increase coming up out of my life. If I'm stirring up the fire that is within me, you can't hold me back. That's why the disciples said, you can whisper what's whispered in my ear, I will shout from a rooftop. That you can't keep us from talking about all that we have seen and we have heard. So I want to talk to you about the fruit and the gifts. Because the fruit and the gifts are the public activity in your life. It's the manifest presence. See, we can know the omnipresence of God. You know, the omnipresence is he is all present. But there's a difference between the omnipresence of God who is always with me and the manifest presence that I carry. And the manifest presence is the the public activity of God. And I would like to propose to you that a lot of us in here have a really great private ministry. But we don't have a public ministry that we don't see the public display of God in our lives. 
Come on, I'm not talking about starting a ministry where you, where you house homeless people. That's great. If you want to do that, let me know. There's room for you. We got room for you. Look at Paige, our exec. She's like, yes, we need more space. <laughs> I'm talking about what seems to be the little, little dismissed things, like the way we speak to our neighbor, the way we speak to our husband, the way we speak to our children, the way we respond when we're being offended. When somebody's not loving us, treating us, speaking to us the way we think we should be treated or the way you're designed to be treated. Come on, we're all, we're all designed to be treated with love and respect, but we don't get it all the time. And the, and the question is, what are you displaying? What does your public ministry look like in that moment? She's going to keep it super real, super raw. But in order to do that, we have to really start cultivating our light. We have to start cultivating the presence of the Lord. So I want to talk about having an ongoing relationship specifically with the Holy Spirit. Very specifically with the Holy Spirit. Now, in the Old Testament, in Exodus, in Leviticus, it talks all about the importance of the oil and the lamp that was in the tabernacle and the temple. As he was setting the pattern for worship, as he was setting the pattern for the people, there are so many passages in Scripture that talk about how they were not to allow the lamp to go out. That they were supposed to bring the finest olives to press for the finest oil and that they were supposed to continuously be replenishing the oil in the lamp and it was imperative that the lamp was not to go out because the lamp is what brought the illumination to the holy of holies which is where the presence of the lord resided now we hear all this and we're like what does any of that mean well, it means that there's an oil that God has put. Anytime we see oil in the scriptures, it's a representation of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit. And he's saying here in the Old Testament, in the tabernacle, you understand we're tabernacling with Christ, right? That you are the tabernacle. You are the temple. You are the carrier, the bearers. That means there's an oil lamp in you that was placed within you through Jesus, right? You can have it in you, but if you're not continually replenishing the oil that that light can go out if you're not that's what it means when it's saying in ephesians be being filled what does that even mean it's terrible english i was an english literature major in college that's terrible english be being filled that makes no sense but he's saying never let it stop being filled continuously replenish and this requires intentional activity it requires intentional engagement intentional fellowship with the holy spirit so that my oil lamp never goes out. I'm reminded of the, the, ten the ten virgins. The Bible says five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. And here's what you need to know. All ten of them had a lamp. But only five had a jar of oil with them. And the other five, when the time came, when it was crunch time, when they were being offended by their neighbor, they were like, I ain't got no oil left. And the Bible says that they went and they tried to borrow the oil of the other five. You didn't hear what I just said. Because some people in this room are trying to borrow the oil of the people around you. You're trying to borrow Denora's oil. You sucking the oil out of my life. You sucking the oil out of Tommy's life. You sucking the oil out of your church's life. You come to the church and you're like, here my jar of oil, and I'm going to try and pull as much as I can. To, but you haven't learned how to go to the Lord, get your own bottle of oil, and say, I'm going to keep pouring on my lamp. I don't need the church. I just said this. So I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. 
I saw my, I'm just going to tell you guys, pet peeve of mine, I just don't get anything out of my church. I don't feel fed when I go there. I'm going to say it. I can say it. Okay, I'm going to say it. Y'all. If you think you should be filling up from the presence of the Lord, come on, let, let's just consider this possibility. Let's consider this possibility, right? So every single one of us, we've been worshiping with the Lord. We've been reading our scripture. We've been praying. I've been praying up in tongues. I've been praying up in English. Whatever language you pray in, you've been praying in it. I don't care. And you've been cultivating your relationship, and you're like a fire about to shut up in your bones, and then God says, hey, I want you to come together as a kingdom, and I want you to start a forest fire. That's what church is supposed to be like. But instead, we come and dry, we come and weep, we're coming weary, and then we're mad at our pastor because he's not feeding us. You can tell Pastor Tommy I said thank you for that. Yeah. But I'm telling you, we have to stop borrowing the oil of everybody else around us. Learn to go to the Lord and get it for yourself. Learn to cultivate it for yourself. Learn to come into the presence of God and say, there's an oil that you know not of, but I'm going to get me some. Come on. There's more oil for you tonight. There's more oil for you this weekend. And I'm going to tell you right now, it's not found in your neighbor. It's found only in the presence of the Holy Spirit. That is the entire purpose of the Holy Spirit. And I'm telling you, just as sad as people missed God in the Old Testament, just as sad as people missed Jesus in the New Testament, it's sad today when people are missing the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. You've got to get the oil. You've got to have your own jar. You've got to be illuminating your own light. Stop looking to the people around you. Stop blaming your pastor. Stop blaming your husband. Stop blaming your kids. Stop blaming your health. Stop blaming your finances. Stop blaming your friends. And start taking authority over your own life, recognizing I was designed with an esh within me, and by golly, I'm going to let it shine. We've got to stop being victimized by all these things around us. We've got to stop being victimized by all these things around us. We've got to learn how to carry your own jar of oil. Everybody kind of put your hands like this for me. Come on, we're just going to kind of do a prophetic act. Just cup your hands just like that, just like that. I just want you to close your eyes. Come on, nothing, nothing special, nothing hooky-mooky, but we are prophetically, I just want you to just really, and, and I'm going to have you out loud just say, God, here's, here's my cup, and I need fresh oil. Just give it a minute. All right, now let me move on. In the middle of this lamp was a wick. And the Bible says we gotta keep the wick trimmed. So we've got the oil, which is the spirit. The wick is your flesh and your soul. And it's gotta be groomed daily. See, because if the wick gets too tall, it begins to burn of its own and it's no longer pulling from the oil. And even a candle, those of you who do candles, if you know the wick gets too long, what happens to the flame is it gets smoky and it gets impure and it gets real dark and it's not a pure flame anymore. Not only that, but it's easily snuffed out. An oil lamp will burn eternally if it has enough oil, if the wick is trimmed and so that it can stay saturated into the oil. And some of us in here need to trim our wicks a little bit. 
I'm going to keep it real. The Bible says if you confess your sins, he's faithful and just to cleanse us from all unrighteousness and restore us unto purity and righteousness. There's a purity that God wants to burn. Some of us have learned what it looks like to burn, and you burn him from your flesh. You're burning from your soul, and you're, and you're like, look how big my flame is! But it's smoky, and it's impure. And when you get discouraged, it's easily put out. Have you ever tried to put a wick out that's saturated in oil? Not easy. It's not easy. See, we've got to keep our flesh so trimmed. In fact, you've got to keep your flesh crucified in Christ to where the only thing I can even stand the only power by which I can stand, the only power by which I can even speak a message, the only power by which I can sing a song, the only power by which I can speak encouragement, the only power by which I can even get out of bed is by the oil of the, of the lamp and of the Holy Spirit. And if I don't saturate myself in it, I can't go on. Because I'm exhausted without it. I'm tired without it. I'm a brute beast without it. I know what it looks like to burn but it isn't pure. Come on, I know I'm bringing you guys a, a really challenging message tonight, but most of the ladies in this room, we are mature, and we are ready for it. Amen. If we want to go to the next level, we got to have some hard conversations. And some of us have memorized the eye chart, and you blind, but you don't know it, and your doctor doesn't know it because you memorized the eye chart. Isn't that what Jesus said when he said, because you claim you can see, you shall remain blind? And some of us think we know, but you don't know. And you have to be willing to cower down and crouch down, saturate yourself in the oil and say, God, show me what I don't know. Maybe I'm living a lie and I don't know it. Really allowing the Holy Spirit to not just illuminate the oil, but cut back some things in our life. Can I just be real with you? In the Old Testament, it talks about a circumcision of the heart. You understand that circumcision, medically, any nurses in the room? Medically, one of the reasons why they cut the foreskin back is two reasons. The area is prone to infection. It also impedes growth. And it's the same picture of the circumcision in the heart where God is saying, you need to circumcise some things in your heart that are causing you to be prone to infection. That's an infectious area of your life. And you need to trim that baby back. You need to trim that thing off. You need to cut some things out of your life. And not only that, but it's impeding your growth. There's a greater potential that you have, but girl, you got to cut that thing off. you got to cut that thing out. Come on, I want to tell you right now, there are some people in this room that need to cut loose of some relationships. Because you're trying to move forward and hold on to your past at the same time. And the Bible tells us that that will cause you to turn into a pillar of salt. You can't look forward and back at the same time. You're either going to move forward or you're not. Come on, let's not deceive ourselves. We need to trim the wick in our lives. And finally, I'm going to end with this. So I've given you three things. I want you to have an ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm just giving you really practical teachings tonight. Ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit having an ongoing relationship in your soul where you're continuously being purified, trimming back the wick of your flesh, trimming back the wick in your mind, trimming back the wick in your heart. And finally this, I want you to understand the power and the importance of having an ongoing relationship with the Word of God.
Come on, some of us in this room, I was having this conversation with Liz here. I said, let's be honest. I'm going to be totally honest with you. I don't read the Word of God every day. Are you guys shocked? I don't read it every day. Now, I do the Word of God every day because it's my career, right? Like, so I'm constantly reading the Bible to people. I'm speaking. I'm ministering to people. That's what I do. But that's not really having a relationship with the Bible, right? So I can quote the Bible. I can, and sometimes to a detriment, I think I've been in relationship with the Bible when I haven't been. All I've been doing is quoting it. What does it look like to actually have a relationship? If the Word of God is flesh, if it's alive, it's, if it's active, what does it look like to have an ongoing relationship with the Bible? Come on, we're talking about how do I not just be in the light, but how do I cultivate the light that's upon me? How do I become the light? That's what we're talking about here. Finally, I want you to recognize the power and the potential. When Jesus, I, I, I love this passage of Scripture where he takes his three closest with him and he goes up to the mountain and he transfigures in their presence. And it's almost as if, um, oh, I just got hit with spirit. It, it's like a, it's like the hand of God himself like reached inside of him and just turned him inside out. You know, like you reach in your pocket and you pull it out and you say, let me show you what's inside of me. And I, and he's showing this to them right before he's crucified as a demonstration to illuminate, to reveal to them, this is your possibility. Like, this is, this is the potential. This is the esh of God that's inside of you. And, and I just wonder, I just wonder if we would allow the hand of God to reach inside of us tonight. And we would allow him to kind of turn us inside out with no shame, no condemnation. This is safe space just wonder how brightly we would burn. I, I wonder in my own life, you know, would there be dark spots? You know, would there be places that are not repented of? Places that I have yet to confess? I guarantee you there would be. I'm not perfect. But that's the possibility. That's the potential. And I don't, I don't want to live my life. I don't want to get to heaven someday and to see my glorified body and to go, oh my gosh, that was what was in me all along. That's what was in me all along, right? Because to illuminate means to expose something that was there all along. So I want you to close your eyes for me. If you want to stand, you can stand. If you want to sit, you can. I don't care. God will find you where you're at. And I'm just asking God to just reach inside of you. I'm asking him to reach inside of me. Come on, no fear here. And I'm asking him to just turn you inside out for a moment and to show you. Man, and some of us might see some dark spots here or there, and that's okay. But some of us and some of you, in the moment you see a dark spot and you repent of that, and it begins to just shine in that spot, right? That's what it means when it says, your greatest weakness, his power is perfected. So God, we thank you for the esh, the fire of God that is within us. We thank you, Lord, for the fresh jar of oil that you've given to us tonight. 
And so now if you would, as you just allowed the Holy Spirit to just show you maybe some spaces and places that you just need some fresh oil. That jar of oil that God gave to you a few minutes ago, come on, just prophetically, just kind of visualize yourself pouring oil in that spot and just cleansing it, purifying it, illuminating it. Come on, you don't need me to lay hands on you. The Holy Spirit is here. He's present to heal you, deliver you, illuminate you, whatever you need. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Be sure to click subscribe so you can catch each episode every month. I want you to walk in your fullness. For more information about other services and resources, head to my website at www.lisa-schwartz.com. You can also find me on YouTube by searching Lisa Schwartz LLC. I look forward to connecting with you. Remember, enforcing purpose, it starts with you.